Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode. I'm your host, Sarah Ann. Thank you for being here, for showing up for your health, your well being, and to create and cultivate a deeper, more meaningful life. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it on social media and with the people you love, also subscribing and leaving a five star review. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content. So thank you for being here, for showing up and being part of this movement. This really is about a movement, a movement of us all coming together to create healthier lives and a healthier planet for ourselves and for future generations. Also make sure to stay till the end because I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways from the lessons learned in today's conversation. It's one thing to listen to the conversation. It's another thing to integrate it into our lives. And so again, make sure to stay to the end as I'm going to offer a fun challenge for this week to upgrade your health, your well-being, and your life. So I remember when I was a little girl, my mom always used to say, every day should be Earth Day, especially in your home. She raised us with the belief that living a healthier life, one where we recycled, ate organic food, and did charitable deeds was a lifestyle choice, not something that we focused on one day a year. She raised us in a home where she tried to mitigate toxic chemicals and really brought us back into nature, grounding us into our truth as often as possible. And while I didn't fully understand everything at the time and often got very annoyed because our life was very different than my other friends, today I know that my mom was onto something. And although the body does detoxify itself naturally, our bodies cannot possibly keep up with today's world. Right now, there's over 80,000 synthetic man-made chemicals approved to be used. The link between harmful toxic chemicals and disease is becoming more and more evident as these chemicals are being found in our entire bodies, including our livers, kidneys, bloodstreams, brains, colons, lymphatic systems, and even the umbilical cords of newborns. And it's time we become aware. It's time we get educated. And it's time, most importantly, we learn to heal from the problems that we as a humanity have created. On this week's podcast, I'm joined by Udo Erasmus, a revolutionary health pioneer who has single-handedly transformed the world of holistic health. After Udo was poisoned by pesticides in the 1980s, he began to research the connection between nutrition, diet, and health. His study led him to the discovery of healthy fats, including flaxseed oil. Udo was also the co-founder of Udo's Choice, a supplement brand, and a global leader in cutting-edge health products. Udo is also an accomplished author. His book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, has sold over 250,000 copies worldwide. He has extensive education in biochemistry and biology, 
psychology, and nutrition, and has impacted over 5 million lives worldwide. Today, I've asked Udo to share his experience with pesticide poisoning and how that opened his eyes to reconnecting with the earth and ultimately himself. We'll also be discussing some of the most common misconceptions about living a holistic life, how to create deep connection with nature and humanity, and how the answers to your life questions exist by actually connecting back to life force energy. Thank you again for being here, for showing up for your health. I trust that you will enjoy this conversation because you are in for a treat. Welcome Udo to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have you and just thank you so much for taking the time to share such an important message today. I'm I'm so, so thankful. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I was deep diving into your story and really inspired on how you turned a really challenging health crisis into a movement that has supported millions of lives around the world. And so I wanted to first dive into that and into your early childhood and what led Mm -hmm. you to discovering that you had pesticide poisoning. And Mm -hmm. then further, I would love to learn how you healed from the poisoning and how listeners can really be proactive about preventing this type of poisoning for themselves and their families. It's a big topic. (laughs) Well, it's actually, that's my little topic. The big topic is... is, uh is the total sexy health topic. That's a really big topic. Mm-hmm. It started in 19, well, 1976, my marriage broke up and I was really upset. I was like furious and I wanted to kill something. And I took a full-time job as a pesticide sprayer. Mm. This is like true crazy story. <laughs> and so I sprayed them very carelessly for three years. I walked over the lawns that I had just sprayed with weed killers barefoot until the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. And then I decided, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. So I wear rubber boots. But I always did the spraying because it was done on sunny days. Mm-hmm. And I always did it in a bathing suit because I wanted to get a tan because I'm fairly blonde. And, you know, if you're discontent and if you're light skinned, you want to be darker. And if you're dark skinned, you want to be lighter. So, mm. so I wanted to be darker. And, and so the wind would drift the spray on my back. And then three years later, one day I got knocked over. I ended up with nausea, dizziness, cramps, and no energy. Literally, I was 38. If I walked around a city block, I had to sit down and rest. Mm. And I always had lots of energy. So that was really different. And then the other one was, it was a really strange symptom that when I turned my head, it felt like my head turned, but my brain didn't. Now, obviously, that doesn't make sense. Because when your head turns, your brain turns, right? But that's what it felt like. And I went to the doctor and said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said, nothing. And that day, the penny dropped. That moment, the penny dropped. Oh, my God, my health is my responsibility. And if I don't take care of it, nobody will. Now, I kind of knew that. You know, it's like, I think we all kind of know that. Right. But that's the day when it hit me. And I decided, okay, well, if I did the opposite of what I did to get sick, then somehow I should be able to get healthy. The idea is this, that like 98% of the atoms in your body today will have been removed and replaced if you and I have a conversation a year from now. Mm. And you won't even have noticed, but it's always, your body's always turning over. It's a major construction site. And the good news about that is that if you don't like the health state of your body, you have aches and pains or something's not working, then what you do is you raise the standard of your food intake because your body is just made out of food, water, and air. 
So you raise your standard of your intake of those. And within one year, your body will have rebuilt itself 98% to a higher standard. And that's why healing is possible because your body's always turning over. So you raise the standard, you end up with a better body. Mm. And you lower your standard in, in a year, mm -hmm. you will have lowered your standard, your mm -hmm. body standard. Yep. So that's really good news. Right. That's the big hope. You, no matter what shape you're in, no matter what's going on, it's changeable because it's always changing. By nature, it's changing. All you have to do is change what goes from hand to mouth or from fork to mouth. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that's what I did. And, and then for detox, I did a lot of sweating. I did some fasting. I started taking supplements. I found out subsequently that the pesticides I spray cause cancer. And many of the pesticides and many of the chemicals that poison us are oil soluble. And it turns out you can sweat them out and they will show up in the oil part of your sweat. So water soluble toxins will end up in the water part of your sweat and oil soluble toxins will end up in the oil part of your sweat. And then you can literally wash those off with soap and water. But right. you need to sweat. Mm -hmm. And in order to sweat oil, you need to take more oil. So the oil you need to take is it needs to be an oil that isn't damaged by processing because oils are the most damaged foods of all of our foods. They, they need the most care. They're the most sensitive to damage. They get the least care. We use them for frying and then they get damaged and then they damage us. So you get good oils, you increase your intake and you literally let the oils carry oil soluble toxins out of your body via sweat. Wow. That's so interesting. And so when you're done sweating, you want to wash your body with soap and water and yeah. probably pat down dry. Yeah. So yeah, a lot because, of people because you want to you want to emulsify the oil off, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want it sitting on your skin. You want to you right. want to get it off. Reabsorbing back in. Now if right. obviously if you're O C D then you'll use too much soap and then you, your skin will get dry and that won't work either. Don't be O C D, just just wash it off. Yeah. yeah. And how did you know to do these things? Was it intuitive? Because when <clears throat> my father found out he had terminal cancer about 20 years ago, and this knowledge wasn't that available, and the internet wasn't around where you could just get this type of information right. by Google. And so I'm curious what it was for you, because for him, he had, to, he had to really dig deep and trust his intuition and trust what felt being called back into nature. And, and it right. just made sense to him that the medical community was wrong. It, it was like this deep sense of knowing in the belief that there has to be something else here. This makes no sense that there isn't the ability to actually cure right. this cancer. So I'm curious right. where that truth came you, you, forward you, already, for you. you know, you already answered it mm. in your question. No, it's <laughs> so fundamentally is if you look at the planet, I studied biology and biochemistry and genetics. So I had some, I had background in science, but what I learned in biology and biochemistry was interesting, but it didn't give me the overview that I need. We were made in nature out of molecules that were made by nature. They're called food, water, and air. And a thousand years ago or a hundred thousand years ago, before we got all civilized, we ate what grew without changing it. And we ate it fresh. Just like a deer will we'll go, go down, you know, walk along the mountain meadow and eat fresh grass. It's growing and then it's in its mouth. So it's like really fresh, not refrigerated, not shipped two weeks, really fresh. So fresh, whole, raw organic, organic, because there were no pesticides even right. 100 years ago, mm -hmm. fresh, whole, raw, organic, mostly plant-based, the way nature makes it. Mm -hmm. 
That was the standard that life set for health, for body construction, way back when in nature. And then we came along and we roasted the meat over fire. And eventually we developed methods for frying foods and cooking foods and drying foods and refining things. And every step that we take in processing food from its natural state of fresh, whole, raw, organic, we're going to lose something of its benefits. Either Mm -hmm. minerals get lost or proteins get changed or uh, toxins get put in it or the balance of the nutrients is off or some of the more sensitive vitamins get lost. Some of the more sensitive amino acids get damaged. The oils will go rancid if you store it. So we take those out so then we don't get the essential fatty acids that the body needs. So processing is the big deal. So if your father or whoever comes to the conclusion that there may be something wrong with the way we practice medicine, you always have to go in the direction from wherever you are in the direction of more fresh, more whole, more raw, more organic, more Mm plant-based. And I don't know what what your father did, but my guess is that that he did something in that direction. Yeah, he went on a vegan plant-based diet. (laughs) (laughs) And within seven seven months, the cancer was a misdiagnosis and wasn't there. So, Oh, oh, they said it was a misdiagnosis. Yes, yes. So the thing is that you don't have to have Google. You need a piece of nature and you need to just look at it. Well, how is it that other creatures eat? How is it that everything in nature works together? Where does our energy come from? Oh, it comes from the sun. Where does the oxygen come from? Oh, green plants made that. You know, where do the minerals come from? Oh, they come from the soil. Where do the vitamins come from? Oh, the plants make them. Well, how come we can't make vitamins? I don't know, but you, but you better eat your plants because the plants mm-hmm. can, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in that sense, it's not a very complicated thing. Yes. You know, the details sometimes, but you also have to be looking in that direction because there are a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, well, you know, my doctor went to school for eight years, you know, three years pre-med, four years medicine. Then he did a year of practice before they let him be a doctor. And then you look at the curriculum. They don't study nature. They study Mm -hmm. disease. They should be studying health. What are the components of health? What are the principles of health? But they don't. And I actually took a, a year of medicine because I wanted to help people get healthy. And I thought the way you do that is you learn about health. I figured medicine was about health because it's called healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. Three months into my first year, I say, we're only learning about disease here. That's not right. So I went to the dean and I said, you know, I came here to learn what health is. What is health? He said, we don't know. We're working on it. And then I left and went back into biological sciences because in biology, you learn about health because health is the normal functioning of normal creatures in natural environments. And so you learn all the principles of health, except nobody tells you that. And when you're a dumb kid like I was, when you go to university, you you learn all of this really good information and nobody tells you that this this is like applicable Mm -hmm. to living a life of being able to optimally function. Yeah, there's so much irony, I so, think, in it. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's it's yeah. it's so wild that we're trying to become more advanced and develop all these synthetic chemicals, and yet we really should yeah. be going in the reverse and going back to nature and back to what are, was the original 
plants of healing. And it was interesting. I was, I was on a walk with a doctor the other day and there was a guide and he was talking about how this plant was used to break a fever back in, you know, hundreds of years ago. And the doctor was like, oh, we're way past that. Like we have, you know, we have Advil and Tylenol and all the things now we don't need to go back to that. And I was like, oh, that seems like the easiest path, like going back into nature and actually using the very things that can heal us. And it's just this, this yeah, disconnect you, never, is so you, real. If you never left nature, you wouldn't have had mm -hmm. the inflammation that you need Advil for. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's interesting in that we have to shift our mindset around it. And I think that that's where people get stuck because we're in very much the quick fix, the rapid life, the to-do lists. How do I solve my problem instantly and immediately? I, I would say there's even a problem before that, which is self-disempowerment. Mm. I don't think I can do it. I have I have to trust the expert. I don't know. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I haven't studied four years in school learning Greek and Latin words that confuse everybody. So therefore, I mustn't know much. And so, because we don't have, we don't feel like we can. And that's just a thought because we can. Right. Right. But it's just a thought. Oh, because I can't. Oh, yeah. And then we rely on other people. But the problem is other people have other agendas. The medical system is more about money than about health. And if you follow yeah. the money, then you find out why they went that route. Because you mm -hmm. could take unnatural molecules and patent them and protect your profits for, right. I think, it's 21 years now, 19 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you can charge outrageous amounts of money. And the pharmaceutical companies make outrageous amounts of money. And they can, they're pretty good at suppressing symptoms. Sometimes medicine's pretty good at crisis intervention, life support systems, uh, emergency care, and monitoring your track downhill to the graveyard. But when mm -hmm. it comes to actually making people healthy, they don't really have anything. Mm -hmm. Why would you trust that? Because the agenda is not your health, but life's agenda is your health. Mm -hmm. And nature's agenda is, is basically, you know, there are poisons in nature too. But nature doesn't have another agenda other than being alive. Right. And so, wow. so what we've done is we've put our trust in the wrong place mm -hmm. because we never thought it through because we thought maybe we just even weren't smart enough. But right. we're smart enough. It's not yeah. that complicated. I mean, look at a deer doesn't have to do anything. It just eats grass. Mm -hmm. No degree, no Latin, no Greek, no fancy words, no institution. It just eats in nature the way it grows, no frying pan, right? Yeah. And I love what you shared about how it's really, you know, sometimes we are masking the symptoms and putting a bandaid on the symptoms, but we're not increasing the quality of our life. So we might be extending it, but the quality of our life is not right. being improved through medicine right. often. Yeah. And the quality of our life, I mean, if you really want to get down to the basis of it, the quality of your life is actually inside of you. And so if you bring your awareness inside into the space that your body occupies and you look around and listen into that space, you feel into that space, you discover that there's light in your darkness, there's sound in your silence, there's love in your emptiness, and mm. you can even taste it. And your fulfillment lives there and your peace lives there and your contentment is there and your wisdom is there and your insight is there. And what you may actually discover is that you're not even the body, that you're the owner of the body. You know, if I say to you, Sarah, I pointed you and I say, Sarah, whose body is that? What would you say? 
well, my mind would tell me it's mine. Yeah, it's my body. That's what yeah, people say, it's right? It's my body, right? Well, this is my mm -hmm. body, right? Mm -hmm. You know what you do? You know that you've just said that you're not the body? Mm. If it's your body, then you're the owner. Mm -hmm. So who owns your body? So my mind believes that I own it. I, but, but who is, okay, but who is I? You're so not the body. I, so who's, right, who so, is I? So how I relate to it would be my soul is inhabiting the body and my okay. soul is part of higher consciousness and uh -huh. part of right. all that is. Yeah. So to make it simple, life mm -hmm. is the owner of your body. Mm -hmm. And life in you knows everything, is everywhere present, and is all power. Mm -hmm. And that's the definition of God. God is life. Life is who you are. And then the question becomes, how well do you know life? Mm. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm not the body, I'm life, if you just follow the words, right? Right. But how much time do I spend actually present with myself as life? Yeah, but mostly not much, <laughs> right? Because our senses yeah. take us out into the world. We live most of our life in interaction with other things, people and situations. And so we live reactively in the world rather than living proactively into the world with the power of life that we are and the wisdom and the insight and uh, the love and the beauty and the joy that are embedded in life for no reason. They're just its nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be a reason to be happy or a reason to feel love. Life is love. Right. And when you feel that, you also know what unconditional love is because life loves your body unconditionally 24-7, 365, lifelong, no matter what kind of crazy BS is going on in your head. Mm -hmm. You know, I hate my life and your life still takes care of you. Never right. takes any time off, never goes on strike, never complains about you not paying attention, just takes care. When you feel that, then you become fulfilled mm -hmm. and then you can give without always having to get something back. Right. And then you can create a different world. Then you can create a world where basically you, you, you create the natural world where everything that lives is chosen by life and you don't fight with it and you can accept it and you can help it and you can cooperate and everybody can help each other instead of beating on each other and stealing from each other and bitching and moaning about each mm -hmm. other. Yep. I mean, we could go endlessly deep on that one. Yeah. And I love it because it's the reverse engineer approach. It's the, as I teach, we often are always seeking the feelings outside of us in our external and the external is always changing. And so we never really right. get there. We never really get to the self-love, the self-worth, self-esteem. It's right. always in the external because we right. don't know what's showing up today. And yeah, so yeah. if we can be within it, right? Yeah, it, instead, we, of, and, yeah and instead of looking it, into it, you look away mm -hmm. from it. What you're looking for is behind where you're looking from. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, turn around, look yeah. within, go yeah, within, yeah. be yeah, in your, your stillness. Your, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you help people do that? Like, do you... To cultivate that sort of experience within yourself, to feel that aliveness and that life that is is definitely, I've felt it in meditation and I've felt it in nature and I've felt it yeah. in, in certain spaces where you're fully present and embodied in the yeah. body. And I think to get freedom from the body, we actually have to be in the body. We have to embody the body. And so how do you recommend accessing well, that part of yourself? First of all, you have to understand that what you're looking for is already inside of you. 
Mm. It's not outside of mm. you. It's inside you. Like mm -hmm. all of your, your deepest longings and your fondest hopes, they're all already built into you. We're from the beginning. And the first nine months, if you're a term baby, you were living in that light, in that sound, inside, because there was no place to go. There was nothing to do. Everything was taken care of and it was relatively safe. So your awareness was inside, at rest, in life, in you. So we've already spent quite a bit of time mm -hmm. there. So this is not going to be an unfamiliar place if we ever go back to it. Mm -hmm. And then we come out and now we have to learn to live in the world. And our awareness is drawn out into the world by change. Anytime something moves or there's a sound or, you know, the silence is broken or it's got color and it's got shape, we're attracted to that. And anytime something changes, we have to check it out. Is this dangerous or not? Because we have to respond to it if it's dangerous it's for survival. Mm -hmm. And so what happens after we're born, we go from being present inside in our awareness, but absent outside to now being present outside and absent inside. So we get disconnected from ourselves. And this is part of the normal human journey. Every kid goes through that. But to go back has to be deliberate because there is nothing inside you in the peace, in the contentment, in the love inside of you that moves and shakes and changes that would then automatically draw our senses. So that's why a lot of people don't go back there. Going out is automatic. Going back has to be deliberate. But there is something that helps you. And that is that anytime your heart aches, you know, boyfriend dumps you, girlfriend dumps you, somebody betrays your trust, you were hoping for something, you got disappointed, your grandmother died and you're really sad, you're grieving, and you always feel that in your chest. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you felt that, right? Yeah. 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 That feeling is actually not about the situations, not about the boyfriend, and it's not about the grandmother, and it's not about the hope that was dashed. It's not about that. It's actually whenever something on the outside breaks down, you go back to the ache of your loss of yourself, your disconnection from yourself. That ache is about your disconnection from yourself. And it's actually your heart calling your awareness to come back home to life. Mm. So what I say to people, and people don't like that feeling, you know, what they call it, whatever they call it, loneliness and longing and, and restless, and people don't like it. So what they do is they distract themselves from it, they ignore it, they deny it, or they blame it on somebody. And what mm. I say to people is, no, 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 sit with that. When you feel it, sit with that. This is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive. Because if it wasn't for that ache in your heart, you would never find your way home once you got disconnected. So sit with that ache and not even a hair's breadth behind that ache is your fulfillment, is your wholeness, is your love, is what you're looking for. Mm. So what do you do? Well, you sit down and you get still mm -hmm. and you see how still you can be, mm -hmm. see how deeply still you can be, see how long you can be there and check out what you find in that stillness. Some people, when they do that, when they first do that, they say, oh, it's so boring. Yeah, because you're addicted to change. But when you're bored, it's a good sign because notice how much peace is in your boredom. And the peace is what you're looking for. 
So mm-hmm. the boredom is you're out of the out of the addiction, but you're not quite into the ecstasy of your existence. Mm. So you're in a no man's land. So when you when you're bored, when you sit still, be happy about it and sit still just a little bit longer. Mm. And then you discover the magnificence of your own being within you. Mm-hmm. You know, and there you can you can do meditation and you can do some people do it with music, some people do it with running. When you're in the zone, it's kind of a place like that. The issue isn't how you do it. Everybody has to experiment themselves to some extent. Because this is your journey to yourself. And if you're interested in going there and the ache is the thing that makes it, that journey interesting, because that's where your cure is. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to do that journey, then experiment. See what works. Definitely not doing it doesn't work. You know, getting lost in your thoughts doesn't work. Doing all the stupid things on the outside. I mean, I've talked to billionaires who are discontent. And they do these big projects and they're always thinking, well, if I get really rich, I'll feel Mm -hmm. taken care of. And -hmm. then they get really rich and they don't feel taken care of. Three days they say, yay, I did it. Set a goal. Achieve the goal. Yay, I did it. And then after three days, they're not content again. Mm -hmm. Then they say, oh, well, maybe I didn't think big enough, or maybe I should have did something else instead. And then they set it up again. But you never get to wholeness by the stuff you do. You already are whole. But the wholeness lives inside of you, (laughs) and your Mm -hmm. awareness is focused Mm -hmm. on the outside or in your head most of the time. Yeah. And do you think that constant seeking of... The next hit, like the dopamine hit, the I'm I'm gonna make the next million dollars or the next ten million or whatever these billionaires are experiencing. Do you think that it's because their mind is just going with them to the next experience, but they haven't healed that part of their ego or healed that wounding pattern? Or is it that they actually just haven't experienced their magnificence and they don't even have to do any healing? They just have to tap into that feeling that they're searching yeah. for is already within them. Yeah, you know what? For me, it's simpler than dopamine and and, and mm-hmm. all of that. The reason why they keep doing this and doing that is because they don't know that what they're looking for is inside mm-hmm. of them already. Mm-hmm. So they don't go to it. Say so. Then now they're discontent. Discontent drives everything. That's why we're destroying the planet. That's why we need so much variety. That's why a million dollars is not enough. That's why a billion dollars is not enough. That's why having got one girlfriend is not enough. You got to have six, you know, and then you have six girlfriend and then you got more problems. And then you think, well, maybe I should try something else. And then Mm -hmm. you can go. And we literally just like blowing around the world, trying to figure out how to get something that we want. That's our driving force. I mean, we're so driven and we're Mm. looking everywhere except where it already is. That's Mm. the joke. That's the cosmic joke, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when I first realized that, I laughed till the tears ran down my cheeks. I laughed. Mm. I thought it struck me as so funny that everything I was so studiously looking for on the outside was always inside of me. And Mm. when the first time I realized that, it was just the funniest thing. It's It's the cosmic joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like there's a logical knowing of that. Like I I've felt it, I've experienced it. And then mm-hmm. when I go back out into the world and I turn on social media or have a conversation with someone, it's it's almost like my subconscious pulls me out of it and then I have to keep going back in and reminding myself. And it's been an interesting yeah. journey of returning and returning and returning and 
reminding myself that most people haven't had that witness. They haven't witnessed their truth that exists within them. And so seeking for the answers outside where most people haven't experienced this is not really the place to turn to most often. So I have a suggestion that comes out of my experience. There was a time when I would sit down, I do my sitting down, get still, go deep, feel good. And then I'd get up and then I'd go race out in the world and I'd be right back into all the stuff that I was always into. So I was either inside or I was outside. And then it occurred to me because it irritated me because I wanted, I liked that feeling and I wanted to take that with me into the world, but it had never occurred to me to set that as a goal. I want to Mm -hmm. be fully present in my inner space as well as fully present in my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. The two are connected. But it never mm-hmm. occurred to me. My thinking was, I'm either in one or the other. So I said, you know what? I want to be fully present. I want to drag this inner feeling out into the world with me. Mm-hmm. And I want to do I what I have to do anyway, which is whatever my work is or whatever traveling I did or whatever it was that I had to do. Right. Dragging that feeling with me into all the things I need to do in my day. It's called simultaneous presence. Some people call it that. Mm. And so fundamentally, you're present inside and present outside at the same time. Mm. So the first step is to find the ache. The second step is to get behind the ache to find your inner connection again. And then the third step is to remain connected inside while you're doing what you're doing on the outside. And Mm. then when you can do that, everything starts to work. You know, the relationships work better when you're fully present. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, they don't work very well when you're not fully present. No, And and how you talk to people and how you express yourself and what you notice and how you acknowledge things, all of that becomes a lot easier when you are fully present in your own space and in your surrounding. Mm, I love that reframe. Thank you. Yeah. That makes so much so, sense. So when you say it goes back and forth, yeah, just drag it out in the world with you. <laughs> Definitely sometimes getting better. Sometimes making that happen, you have to get a little bit like intense about it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then sometimes that gives you the energy that creates a new pattern for you. Right. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahandstuart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never going to miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're going to get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahandstuart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. It's repatterning and really reprogramming the conditioning in which I think our minds just continue to tell us over and over that this is the way it's always been. But yet we have the power, like you said, to be in the presence, regardless of what's showing up and how it's showing up. And we get to make that choice. And I think, you know, as you shared before, it's this radical responsibility piece, which is hard, I think, right now, specifically with what everyone's going through. It's very easy to turn the blame. And yet, we are the only ones responsible for our own health and well-being and that inner peace that we get to access if we choose it. So yeah, I love that. Right. But you get good at what you practice. <laughs> so if you don't practice sitting still, you're probably not going to be very good at it at the beginning, right? Just like mm-hmm. you weren't good at walking before you knew how to walk. Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. practice, practice, practice till you get good at it. 
you get good at what you practice. And if you practice blaming people and you do that over and over and over again, you get really good at it. But does that fulfill you? No, not really. Right. <laughs> if you get angry a lot, you know, you get good at being angry. If you enjoy the peace that is the foundation of your being, you get good at that too. Mm. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it really is. It's like where your attention is and where your energy and focus is, is yeah. what you become. It's Yeah, your state of being you defines, you know, this is, it's interesting. There could be three people standing in the same place, in the same situation. One is in peace and sees peace everywhere. The next one is angry and sees enemies everywhere. And the third one is fearful and sees danger everywhere. Exactly the same place, completely different perceptions. So your state of being creates your perceptions and your state mm. of being creates your world because from mm. your perception, you're going to determine how you're going to act into that world. Acting into a peaceful world is very different from acting into a dangerous world or a world full of enemies. Mm. But you created the enemy because <laughs> that same world that you see enemies in is also completely peaceful. What are you going to pick? What do you want to mm. pick? And mm. then by what you pick, you create more of that in that world. Wow. Yeah, that's so, wow. So powerful. <laughs> yeah. I was actually really blown away when I was looking at your Total Sexy Health Program, which I love the name. And I, I was like, this is incredible, this eight-step process, because usually you hear about health programs and they're about nutrition and movement and mm -hmm. you know the, the, the things we hear about all the time. But you had these other components like mental health and presence and awareness and life energy. And the one I wanted to dive a little bit more into was this, what we've been kind of talking about was the harmony right. with nature and humanity. Because right now, I think the more that we go into fear, and I think culturally, we don't have a relationship to mortality like other cultures do around the world or tribal communities. And so the more that we go into fear, the more of a disconnect we create with humanity. And I think it's powerful right now to get back right. into nature and to reinstitute some of these belief systems around harmony with one another, harmony with nature, harmony with societal norms and cultural norms, and just really coming back together. But what it feels like to some is that we're becoming more divided than ever. And so I wanted to talk about this specific part of your course, if you don't mind, and maybe there's a specific part that would be inspiring to share in relationship to just what's going on in the world, because I think people are looking yeah. for that type of inspiration. Let me back up a little bit. The reason why I call it the, the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature, mm -hmm. is I was looking around, I was working in health, and of course, usually health is food and fitness. Mm -hmm. But you know that how the people you spend time with, that affects your health. In fact, in the schoolyard, when we were kids, you know, when somebody irritated us, we say, you make me sick, right? Mm -hmm. So we already knew as kids that other people affect your health. What's in the environment affects your health. How you are about the big picture of living in a temporary body in an infinite universe and being okay with that, that'll affect your health. How present you are in your own space, either as awareness or as life or as inspiration, that'll affect your health. How you are in dealing with crisis affects your health. Mm. You know, politics mm -hmm. affects your health. Mm. Your belief system affects your health. So I decided, well, if you really want to be healthy, you have to give everything it's due. And so you have to give each of those eight things that I just mentioned without telling you I was doing that. <laughs> uh, you have to give each its due because each one has a different nature and a different function. Each one needs a different kind of attention on a regular basis. 
each one goes off in a different way and responds to a different kind of intervention. And you want to do it all if you want to have the best life, and you can. And so now take that out to the world. We live in heaven on earth. Heaven is here, earth is here, hell is here, everything is here. We live in heaven on earth, and our head is full of hell. Mm. Mm. Because if you look at the two worst enemies, let's say in the American Congress, one is going to be a Republican and the other one is going to be a Democrat. Are they alive? Yes. Are they human? Yes. Do they eat? Yes. Do they worry about their kids? Yes. Do they hope for the best for the people they like? Yes. You know, they have so much in common, but they have one idea and the other idea, and fundamentally they're at war, and basically both of them are saying in their head, he's my enemy and I'm going to stick it to him. And we create all that in our head. We imagine most of our problems into being. We imagine them into being. First comes the perception, oh my God, the world is dangerous. Oh my God, I'm surrounded by enemies. So we imagine that it's not true because it's also completely peaceful. And then we, we create responses to make that imagination come true. Mm-hmm. That's how we mm-hmm. screw everything up. Why don't we just pick a different way to do it? Oh my God, peace is everywhere. Oh my God, everything is, oh my God, I am so loved. Oh my God, the green ivy. You know, some people think ivy is a really bad weed and it's going to go up your stucco on your walls and it's going to take your wall down and, you know, and they hate it and wherever they can, they kill it. And I look at it and say, oh my God, that ivy is making the oxygen I need to breathe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That ivy Mm -hmm. is a real good friend. And you could say, I mean, I could go as far to say, to hell with the stucco. but, But the point is, it's the same ivy. Right. It loves me. And it hates me. And whether it loves me or hates me depend on, depends on whether I'm focused on oxygen or I'm focused on stucco. And everything is like that. So what we're creating, we're literally, we're creating that. It's not true mm-hmm. from the beginning. You know, when those two enemies in Congress slid out of their mother's body, they weren't enemies. They were alive and they were babies, right? And they had to mm-hmm. learn and with help from other stupid people who also created enemies. Mm-hmm. They had to learn that. And then if you join one party, then you have to be against the other party. I thought government was about administering the affairs of all the people. Isn't Mm -hmm. that their job? So where did we come up with? And I don't mean who came up with it so we can blame them, but you know, what kind of BS is that? Right. Right. And here we are, we have, I mean, we have a lot of things that need to be done Mm -hmm. and they're not getting done because we think it's easier to make an enemy of the other person and Stick it to them, stick it to them, stick it to them, going back and forth. Why are we doing that? Right. (laughs) No one's holding a gun to ourselves and says, live stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? No. Yeah, no, we're just taking on collective beliefs, right? But in order to change it, one of the important aspects, in order to change it, I have to be able to get out of my habitual thinking patterns. And the best way to do that is to get into the experience of life. Because from the insights I have, when I go deeper into my own experience, from the insights I have, I start to see the world different. Mm -hmm. Oh, these two guys, these two guys actually have a lot in common and not much separates them. Right. And oh, oh, I have a choice to live fearful or to live loveful. I have a choice. 
and I make the emotions. I actually create my emotions. I make them up. Sometimes I say, well, when this and this happens, it's like a rule, right? When mm-hmm. this and this happens, that's my excuse for getting angry. Mm-hmm. Or when this person does this, but I want them to do that, then that's my trigger to create some adrenaline and get into fight or flight mode. But we're creating it. And if we are more fully present into the depths of our own being, we get to create whatever we want. Mm. It's not preordained. We're creating it, you know, and then we're continuing it. And then we're continuing it because we're not taking the time out. Although Corona tried really hard to give us a good time out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? So we sit still. You can't, if you can't go outside, go inside. Mm -hmm. So go inside, go a little deeper, go a little deeper. Oh, I'm alive. Oh, if I shut off my TV, my house is really peaceful. I can't see Mm -hmm. any viruses. You know, I can be careful, but I don't need to be fearful. And in that time that I have, let me go a little deeper into some of the things I've always wanted to do, but always said I didn't have time for. Corona just made that time for me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting at home. I can discover more what a gift it is to be alive. And then it becomes, oh, thank you. I'm really, you know, Corona was able to do something that all of the great masters on the planet, you know, Buddha and Krishna and yep. Christ and all those, were not able to accomplish in their lifetime to give the human race a time out to think about what are you doing yep what are you doing right corona was able to pull that off in three months yeah there was an intelligence in it for sure that's powerful but Mm -hmm. you know we can just get madder and more fearful and more greedy or we can go a little deeper and say well more loving more peaceful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more cooperative more helpful Mostly, I think people, depending on what they practice, they'll just practice more of that. Unless something hits them, you know, every once in a while you have an insight. You say, wow, I've been doing this. You know, I I had an insight when I was 27. I I was born during the Second World War. We were refugees fleeing from the communist tanks and trucks before I was three. Mm. And uh, the Allies were shooting at refugees from planes. The good guys. These are the good guys. They were shooting at us from planes. The war ended when I was not quite three. It was a traumatic experience, obviously, for a kid. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. I didn't yeah. feel safe. I didn't know what I could depend on. So that came out of that experience. When I was sitting around on my porch in the sunshine one day, when I was 27, it occurred to me that something in me took perfect care of me through all my dramas and all my traumas and all of my stuff. And then it occurred to me that Oh my God, I've been bitching about the war. It ended when I was three. I was now 27. 24 years I was bitching about a war that wasn't happening anymore. Mm. And never giving any attention to what took perfect care of me through all my dramas and all my traumas in the war. And every day since then too. And that was my turnaround where I said, you know, you know, life's been a good friend to me. Maybe. I should get to know it a little better. Mm. So a little turnaround comes from a little insight and it can change your whole life. Right. And I'm 78 now and I don't bitch about the war anymore. Mm. (laughs) In fact, I see the war as a gift. A gift. Wow. I I don't wish it on anybody, but it was a gift for me because it rubbed my nose very early on what happens if people don't cultivate peace when they can. And we are drifting towards war. 
Mm. You know, at least some people are drifting towards war. Mm -hmm. Because when we're not cultivating something better than that, we do tend to drift. It's like when you go with the flow, you eventually end up in a gutter because the flow is always downhill. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what if we put a little energy into going uphill? What if we try to figure out what is the highest common denominator between human beings? Not the lowest common denominator. Why don't we aim for that? Why don't we live like the masters? Because we can. Because everything that was in them is in us. Right. And that's, I think, the biggest lie. And I think people are terrified of going within because of what they'll find. But yet, on the other side of the discomfort, on the other side of what they'll find is the greatest gift. Yeah. And the truth is that you're not going to find that, that much bad stuff anyway. You're going to notice that you have a couple of stupid ideas. But since they're just ideas, you can just change them. You made them up, so make them up different. <laughs> There's nothing in us that is evil. Evil is just a dumb idea that is not serving life. That's all evil mm. is, right? Mm. But then we put horns on it and bad breath on it and burning eyes on it and create a picture. And I say, oh my God, what if one of those guys is running around? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. stupid. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. all pretense. It's all pretense. Yeah. It's illusions of the mind. Yeah. That's... And so no matter what is going on, no matter what the politics is going on, no matter what people are doing, no matter what. I have the choice to live the life of a master. It's an ongoing project. It's not like there isn't work involved. It's not like mm -hmm. I don't need to take time and make effort. Mm -hmm. But no matter what's going on around me, I have the freedom to go wherever I want to go inside of me and have whatever experience I want to have being alive in a human form. Mm. That's powerful. That's the power we have. The power we have is that we can focus our awareness wherever we want to focus it. It can be in your thoughts, can be in your toenails, can be on a bum sitting on your chair, can be on what your neighbors are doing that they should not be doing because you compare it to an idea you have in your head. We can focus our awareness anywhere we want to, including beyond our mind, beyond our emotion, in the energy of life, in the beauty of existence, in the peace that is the foundation of not just our life, but the whole universe. Mm -hmm. In the magnificence of being alive in a human form for a while. Yes. And to just enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> I know. It's like, why not? This yeah. is this is a gift. Yeah. This is our... And same with our bodies. I think we often are like, well, our bodies aren't doing what they should be doing. And we're not viewing it as our bodies are this incredible, magnificent gift that has been given oh. to us so that we can experience life. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, life yeah. in human form, you know, and right. even if you have a wart in your nose and you have a hair on the wart on your nose, you're still beautiful. Mm -hmm. Real beauty is not defined by Hollywood. Real beauty is defined by life. Mm -hmm. And every life and every form that life creates has exquisite beauty in it. Mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. form, wasps, even, even killer wasps. Exquisite <laughs> <laughs> right? creatures. I mean, don't, just don't let them sneak you. <laughs> Spiders, yes, I mean, snakes, you know, and you look at all of those, those life forms. You think, wow, who came up with that? That's amazing. I know, even just taking binoculars outside and walking through nature and just realizing how much you miss on a regular hike if you don't slow down and be present and pay attention. It's just oh, yeah. <laughs> this magic around us in every every 360 degrees. It's incredible. And yet we're yeah. 
on our phones on hikes, it's like, it's like, come on, let's get back yeah. into the presence of being yeah. in nature and experiencing the life yeah. force that exists within us and really yeah. doing it, not from the ego of, I want to look better, but from the, I want to connect yeah, no, to my it's not truest look self. Better, it's, I want to look better to others. Right. To the, I want to look better to the judgment of others. Yes. It's not why even for even, us. Why are you even trying? <laughs> the judgment precedes the effort. Right. Oh so, my gosh. So yeah, there you are surrounded by it and filled by it. And where mm -hmm. exactly is the problem? Oh yeah, let me make one up in my head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I have something to put my attention on. I know. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm so <laughs> thankful to you. I think this is going to have such a tremendous impact and be so inspiring for the listeners. I literally didn't even get to any of the questions that I was going to ask oh, you. So, no, no. So we're going to, we'll do another one at some point on like all the amazing other topics that you have around healthy fats and misconceptions of fats and myths on oh, fats yeah. and all the, all the things. So we'll do another episode at some point, but I think this was perfect. And I'm so thankful for you and your time that you spent today. It really means so much to me that you showed up just willing to be open to wherever this conversation went. And if the listeners want to dive deeper into your story, into all of the incredible work that you do, the courses, the books, the lectures, podcasts, blogs, you name it, you've done it. Where can they find you? What's the best place to reach out and connect? Well, I, I have a website for the products that I work with, which is mostly oils made with health in mind, probiotics, digestive enzymes, why they're useful. That's Udo's mm -hmm. Choice, U-D-O-S Choice.com. And then the, the courses and the, the stuff we're talking about and, and the books, theudo.com, T-H-E-U-D-O, theudo.com. Perfect. Yeah. And well, I'm on Facebook you. and I'm on Instagram and I got a YouTube channel. Thank you for doing this work. Thank you for showing up for the last multiple right. decades, inspiring right. Thank people. You. Thank you for having for so being. much fun with me. Yeah. And for being here. Thank you so much. I love that conversation with Udo and I trust that you also found it insightful and inspirational and allowed you to reconnect to the truth of coming back to yourself and back to nature. And before you take off and go back into your day, I encourage you to really stop and think, what would returning to the basics, returning to nature, returning to the harmony of the planet look like and feel like for you? And in order to do this, what would you need to do less of? Maybe what would you need to do more of? How would simplifying your life and returning within shift your relationship to your health and your well-being? And then where have you used Band-Aids to cover up symptoms instead of allowing yourself to confront and care for the root cause? Further, how does it feel to tap in and connect to the life force energy that Udo shared? Take some time to journal on these questions. Maybe start with one or two and just journal whatever comes forward. Because through journaling, we get access to our subconscious. We get access to our truths. We get access to the ability to connect with our higher power and we get answers. And so I just want to remind you again that this podcast was a great reminder to myself and so many that we are overcomplicating our health and it's time to return home to ourselves and the basics and the very things that have healed us for hundreds of years. And so I trust that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a conversation I believe we can all benefit from. And if you feel inspired, I would love if you could possibly share it with just one other person who could also benefit from the power of Udo's message and the power of these questions. And if you felt inspired by today's episode, I recommend giving a listen to my episode with celebrity chef and nutritionist Serena Poon. 
we discuss some of the simple spiritual practices that will upgrade your health and your well-being. Further, make sure to drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's resonating. What do you want to hear more of? How can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? And how can I celebrate you? I would love to hear how you're taking these practices and implementing them into your own life. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I'm sending you a massive virtual hug. I'm sending you so much love and light for the next week ahead. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.